Jesus, we thank you that you are our high priest. We thank you that you walked where we walked. You stepped where we stepped. We thank you that you experienced the emotions that we experienced. We thank you that you went through life just as we did, just to be able to present us before our Father. We thank you for not giving up on us. We thank you that all things are working together for our good. We thank you that we cannot be disadvantaged in this life. And we thank you that we can call you Father. And most importantly, we thank you that you call us your children. We pray and may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. We thank God for qualifying us to see another day. We thank God that he has not given up on us, that he still has use for us on this earth. We are continuing our study on who is your neighbor, who is your neighbor, what we mostly like to call the parable or the good Samaritan. But as last week we explained, Jesus gave the story of the good Samaritan because of the question that's the expert in the law asked after he asked Jesus a first question. And Jesus responded and he realized that it was not what he wanted. Then he wanted to prove himself, the Bible says. So he said, that, then who then is my neighbor? In other words, who then should I show this love to? Because the commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor just as yourself. That's what the old says. So was asking that to then, if I'm supposed to love my neighbor, who qualifies to be my neighbor? And that's the question we are seeking to answer. And that was the question that Jesus was answering. That led him to say the story of the Good Samaritan. And we ended last week's study on defining who my neighbor is. So we want to continue, but let's take a read. Let's read the scripture again, where the story can be found, which is Luke chapter 10 verse 25 following and i read and behold a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him saying master what shall i do to inherit life and he said unto him what is written in the law which thou readest so even these hypocrites could read the bible who read the word of god to them how much more we we should do better than we are doing please read your bible and he answered saying Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, do this, and thou shalt live. But as I said earlier on, the man was not okay with the answer. So the Bible says, But he willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him in his remains and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, and by chance, I love the choice of words, there came a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side. 
and likewise a Levite, when he was at that same place, he came and looked upon him and passed on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came there, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him upon his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was a neighbor to him? that fell among the thieves. And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. So we want to take off from where we ended last week in answering the question, Who is your neighbor? And we ended off by saying the fact that the good or this man whose identity was not stated took a particular journey. And today we want to look at the following verses, which we ended, which is from verse 31. That, and there came by chance a priest that way. And it's interesting the two groups of people that came the first way and ignored the man who had been badly wounded, left half dead. The first was a priest and the second was a Levite. And these two people were religious people, people who had been exposed to the law of God people who had been exposed to a degree of the mercy of God. Because in actual fact, nobody qualified to be a priest in this purest sense. But these were people who were acting or as mediators between God and men. So if there's any group of people who should have more idea about who God is, it should be a priest and a Levite. And it's interesting how, as for the priest, he didn't even make the effort to know who was lying down. Bible said that for him, when he saw the man, he just went away, the other way. But the level took, in quotes, <laughs> an extra step by going to stretch his neck to see if in case it is his relative or a family friend or a neighbor. And by neighbor, I mean somebody he knows who was badly injured. Maybe he might have helped. And it's quite interesting that it's quite the city of religious people, of Christians, and our participation in religious activities, there is close to nothing that gives an indication that we are children of God. I take it again. Apart from our words, there's close to nothing about us that shows that we are children of God. And sometimes, I remember I once, I was listening to a podcast, and the person on the podcast, the host was saying that, Sometimes you can see somebody upload a picture on social media and you could clearly see that this person has just sugarcoated the picture with a religious statement. You could clearly see that the intention was not to add the scripture, but because in quotes, the person is a Christian, the person posts a very wonderful picture and underneath or beside it or wherever they write, they write, um, by this father grace, or they write, it is the doing of the Lord or they write any of those religious jargons. But if you look at the picture that is posted over there and the comments that have been added to the picture, you can clearly see that the person is just trying to be religious. And this is very disturbing. And you see, this experience I had some few weeks ago has made me appreciate the truth in God's word. 
that when the good, when the storm misses in choosing a priest and a Levite not to show mercy on a good Samaritan, because it is amazing how people who are products of the grace and the mercies of God are one of the least merciful and the least gracious people you could ever relate with. It's interesting. So I remember when I had that situation and by God's grace, I sorted out everything back back to normal. I was just thinking about how somebody or how some people have been so insensitive to me. And I was really wondering that why? Then that time I was in the middle of preparing my, I was in the period of thinking through this message for the podcast. Then the Holy Ghost reminded me that have you forgotten that the good Samaritan, it was a priest and a Levite that ignored the man. Because sometimes I remember this particular thing I was doing. I chose this particular group of people to spearhead whatever I was doing because they were Christians. And when I mean Christians, I don't mean uh, who say they were Christians, but they had a close association to, <laughs> to church. They were elders, if I should say, in church. They were active people in church. So I'm like, oh, this one day, if I choose this person, to lead me to do this. If the person is behaving stubborn, when I pray to God, Charlie, he can just turn the heart and everything would go on to smooth. But truth be told, there was nothing like that. It was as though I was dealing with hard unbelievers. And as I was just thinking about this thing, and it kept occurring to me that the truth in God's word is undeniable. The truth in God's word is undeniable. And if you are in Ghana, this truth is so clear before us. Because almost every office you go to, almost tuition you go through, at least you would find one person who is a leader in church one way or the other. Yet still, there is no iota of the Christian life being manifested in the environment you find yourself in. So it was really a big time experience for me and I was like the next time I am going to spare a particular project was how to be the least of my computer. Somebody who knows what he's supposed to do and to do it regardless of emotions or sympathy or sentiments. In this same story you see the same scenario how a high priest and a Levite, people who are products of God's mercy were the ones not to be merciful. But the Bible says that and if you look at the verse we read, was, and by chance, a high priest used that route. But when he got to the Good Samaritan, the Bible said, and the Good Samaritan journeyed on this road, meaning that he had somewhere he was going. He was on a mission. As for this high priest, it was by chance he took that route. But this man who had somewhere going, meaning that he could have even made up an excuse because he was on a journey going somewhere. He was not just passing there by chance. He was not taking a shortcut. He was not taking the truth. He had a journey. He was going somewhere. So if there was anybody to make an excuse not to show mercy, it should have been this man. And he sent it to identify who this man was. And I think last week I gave a little hint. A Samaritan in today's language we call a person half caste. That means somebody who is born from maybe um, parents of different races. So a common example is maybe the father is a Ghanaian or an African and the mother is an European. So the person's color is not, you are not really fair or you are not really white. You are not really dark. So you are half caste. So, and I was relating with the half caste and he told me that what people fail to realize is that 
half caste are people who don't really fit anywhere because this guy when he's among africans or when he's among black people they consider him as a white man so they treat him differently or they see him differently and this same person so they call him obro same person when he goes to europe and is among is Europeans they look they consider him an african so they call him a man of color or whichever terms they use nowadays so you realize that half caste are people who don't really fit into any group because everybody considers them as a product of or as not a full member of a particular group and you will know that because of this these samaritans were people that had hidden grudges or hidden bitterness towards the jews because they felt like the jews did not accept them and they felt like the people who were non-Jews also did not accept. So if there was any man who had an excuse not to help, you know, it's like, so if you are a Ghanaian and go to him, immediately you find a fellow Ghanaian, there's a certain sense of family that you feel around the person. They identify, oh, you are also a Ghanaian. It's like you have found your family member. So there's that sense of belonging. And even the same thing with language, even less in Ghana, maybe you are a girl, and you go to Kumasi immediately you find somebody who also can speak the Ga language it's a so there's a certain level of connection between you and the person because of the language you speak but for this samaritan he had no sense of any of these people and you could have rationalized the guy's situation which i'm sure either the priest or the levite did and from the way the priest did not even take the time to look at who was lying down for all you know the priest was making comments like eh what are you doing on this road by the time of, or by this time why did you decide to travel by the night or why are you or you are part of those rich men eh that you use this road by the night he could have come up with an excuse or with a justification why the man who was beaten deserved to be beaten he could have come up with a reason and moreover he had legal grounds if I should say because as a priest he was not supposed to come close to a dead body So that is why I'm sure he did not even take the pain to look at the person to know if the person was alive or the person was dead. As for the Levite, he took the pain to look, and I'm sure he was looking for if he knew that person. And that's one thing that also strikes me about these religious people, and it's the same thing about we Christians. One of the greatest mysteries I'm yet to unravel about human beings is how. we can i think i've said this on the podcast before you can find one person who can be the best mother to the children a loving mother but yet be a terrible wife or be a terrible boss you can find somebody who may be the best husband the best boss but be the worst father and you see when you meet people like this it's very difficult for you to advise them to change so like with the situation i gave where i fell into the hands of insensitive people if i should even draw their minds to the fact that you really acted insensitively to me they would come up with a defense you are not the only person i worked with when i worked with this person the person came to give me a citation that you were supportive thank you for your support thank you for your encouragement thank you for your your whatever your counsel thank you for your guidance come to my house my children call me blessed my husband call me blessed you may be the best mother you may be the best wife but you'll be a terrible boss and that for all you know that's how this priest and levite were because i'm sure this priest among fellow levites they loved him 
And I'm sure when he was in his priestly regalia in the temple on the day of atonement, performing his act, the people would appreciate, oh, this pastor is a good pastor. He visits me. He, he prays for me. He counsels me. there to encourage me. So imagine this man, the half the Samaritan, later finding all this priest and telling the priest that you once passed this road and there was a man lying down on the floor. Why didn't you help him? Immediately, you put up a defense. That, hey, do you know who I am? I'm the most loving man. I'm the most loving, caring person. I'm the most sympathetic person. And this is the same situation the lawyer had who came to ask Jesus the question. Because the Bible said that he came to justify himself, meaning that he knew that in certain areas of his life, there were evidences that he had eternal life because he was loving God and he was loving his neighbor. And I think I said this last week, that he may have been doing alms maybe once a month. He will go around the streets giving alms to the poor, giving clothes to the poor, doing charitable acts. So everybody could testify that this was a good man. And he wanted everybody to know that indeed I am a good man. That's why he asked the question, who then is my neighbor? Thinking that the answer Jesus would give would qualify what he was doing or what he had been doing. And unfortunately for him, Jesus burst his bevel. So that's one of the things that ministered to me as I was preparing this podcast. That our Christian life should be a 360 life. It is not enough to be the best roommate, to be the best classmate, and to be a terrible sibling. It is not enough to be the best husband, to be the best boss, and be a horrible father. Because the life that you have is a life that you have. So you cannot be cannot be demonstrating love. And you, the same person, be demonstrating something else which is not love to different people. So because we have given our definition for who my neighbor is, so for me, my definition of my neighbor is my child and my wife. So immediately you are not a family member. I will be rude to you. I will be insensitive to you. I will not sympathize with you. That is why, for example, in Ghana, we have policemen who are always taking bribes, who are always frustrating the lives of some people. And to them, their justification is that, oh, we have family to go and cater for, we have children to cater for, and our salary is not enough. So to them, their definition of who a neighbor is, is their family, their wife and their children. But anybody else is not a family member. And it's the justification that some politicians also have. That is why they, without thinking twice, are able to hijack resources meant for a nation just for their family members, just for their friends, just for their so-called network, because to them, their definition of who a neighbor is are those people. So immediately if not fall into that category of who they define as a neighbor, they are not going to show you love. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus wanting to demystify these errors we have in our hearts, gave this story. And that is why he used a Samaritan Somebody who does not really fit into any group or any class. So if we are doing it in a biology class, a Samaritan will be like a virus. <laughs> at some point, it's a living thing. At some point, it's not a living thing. So taxonomists or biologists cannot really classify. Is virus a living thing or is not a living thing? So mostly it depends on where it is. If it's outside the cell of a host, it's a non-living thing. If it's inside, it's a living thing. So we have created its own class for it. So in the same way Samaritans were. So if there's anybody who should not show love, it should be a Samaritan. Because ideally, the, the definition of the high priest and the Levite, nobody is his neighbor. But the Bible says, 
that this certain Samaritan, as he journeyed and he came, as he journeyed where he was, he saw him and he had compassion upon him. And he had compassion upon him. We can be the most insensitive group of people. You can see the way you can go to an office and the secretary can be a Christian. And the secretary will soon be disrespectful to you because maybe you do not come there in a car. You are not wearing a good dress or a, a high-profile dress. But this same secretary, if you should come in a V8, you should come in a suit, holding like two or three phones, wearing a Rolex watch, this same person will be so kind, sweet, and loving to you. The same person. So you realize that many of us have given ourselves our own definition. But the Bible says that what did a good Samaritan do? So many of us are like this man, Brother Jonah. <laughs> we like karma too much. So you know Jonah, a very interesting character. You know, Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh because he knew that God was a merciful God. He knew that if he goes and preach and the people should repent, God will forgive them. So many of us are like Noah. We feel like people deserve what they have. So I'm sure for all you know, as I said earlier on, the high priest and the Levite were like, I'm sure this man is an arm robber or he went to steal something and he was running away at night. That's why they caught him in the beating. We come up with all sorts of justifications why people deserve what they have. Forgetting that we ourselves are products of God's mercy. So finally, when God forgave the people of Nineveh in Jonah chapter 4, Jonah was angry. Now, God, me, I know you. You are too merciful. Hey, modern day Jonas in the building, I salute. <laughs> Somebody says, We like karma too much. So we are always expecting the downfall of people. And sometimes we like to polish it. We want to be better than them just to make them regret for how they treated us. I'm not justifying how they treated you. But I'm like, we are all a product of mercy. Stop living your life just to impress people. So mostly in relationships. So some people are motivated because their ex or whoever dumped them or left them because they thought they were not too good for them. Your mission in life is not to prove to your ex that he made a mistake. That is not your mission in life. Your mission in life is to serve the purposes of God for your generation. That is your mission in life. But many of us, we are motivated because we want to prove to people that they made a mistake. We want to prove to people. And we want people to experience certain pain because we feel like they deserve it. Please do not be like Jonah. So the next thing the Samaritan did as a journey, let's take it from the NIV version. There's a way NIV puts it that I want us to take note of what the Samaritan did, which the others did not do. So yes, in Luke chapter 10, let's look at the verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, traveled where the man was, the Bible said, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And the next thing he did in the verse 34, he went to him. He went to him. Showing compassion on people is an active process. It's not a passive process. You do not sit in your office or you do not sit in your luxurious chair and say, for me, there I am there. If you come, I'll come. No. The Bible said that when he saw him, the man could have put it as if I'm on my route. Maybe I'm, in the, I'm on the right side of the road and you're on the left side of the road. It's not my business. But that was the way he saw the man. He went to him. Showing compassion is an active activity. Many of us were sitting in our own corner waiting for people to come and beg us. And out of the goodness of our hearts, we would take a step 
and be in good compassionate upon them. That's why the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, when we did not pray for salvation, when we did not have an idea that salvation was possible, when we did not go and beg God for salvation, it was God who took the initiative to demonstrate love to us. It was He took the demonstration to demonstrate compassion upon us, showing compassion and being neighbor is an active process. You must make the deliberate step of asking people, "How are you doing? Have you got a job now?" Not with a sense of inferiority or a sense of superiority or a sense of feeling accomplished, but with a sense that you want to help them if you have what it takes. So many of us were like me and me, my corner because of the all because of the ingratitude of people. This man could make an excuse that for all you know, the man was playing a prank on him. You know, maybe sometimes he could play dead so that when this Samaritan gets down on his horse, maybe they will attack him. You see, you can come up with thousand and one reasons not to help people. Oh, people will take you for granted. People will do this. People would run. You can always come up with thousand and one reasons, but that is not showing compassion. Compassion is an active process, and that is why when we are doing God is our rewarder. I made us understand that when you are living as your life as a Christian, you are living it for God. Because immediately your focus is on the man you are demonstrating the love to, meaning that you are expecting a reward from the person. You are setting yourself up for a disappointment. But the Bible said, and he went to him. Sweetheart, in the year 2021, who have you gone to? Who have you taken the active measures? Who have you been deliberate, deliberate on helping? Who have you consciously made the effort that you want to pray for the person? Who have you made the effort that you want to share the gospel with the person? What have you been deliberate on? What? Have you been conscious about who have in which scenario or in which case in the year 2021 have you approached someone to share God's word with a person? When in the year 2021 have you noticed a pain someone is going through, and without the person asking you, you made it as a personal ambition to always remember the person in prayer. When have you done that? And he went to him. And the Bible said, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him into an inn and took care of him. Next week, we will peruse this verse. But this is what I want to leave with you tonight. That showing compassion is an active process. It's something that we should be deliberate about. It's something that we should plan It's something that we should inculcate into our daily living. If you are not doing that, you are not being a good Samaritan. And the Bible says he bandaged his wound. I think we end with this point. One of the things about bandaging a wound, and if you, if you, nurse or a health professional, mostly well, we don't bandage it too tight. But one of the reasons that we bandage it is to help in the healing of the wound, and is to prevent the entry of bacteria or microorganisms so mostly we use a clean bandage because if you use a dirty bandage they are only making cases worse but what does the bandage do it reduces the effects of the wound it reduces the severity of the wound it's like a first aid so even though the man applied bandage he later took him to an inn for proper treatment 
in bandage the wound. How is your daily activities bandaging the wounds of others? Or as for you, you are always adding salt into injury. You have heard that your classmates are in unfortunate circumstances. You won't pray for the person, but you are rather gossiping about the person. You have heard that people are in unfortunate circumstances. And instead of you to take the effort to rather go and bandage the wound, you are rather opening up the wound. You are rather gossiping about the person. You are rather accusing the person. You are rather backbiting the person. You are rather maligning the person. Somebody who is already down, we kick people when they are down instead of bandaging their wounds. That's why the Bible says, love covers up. Instead of us to make the effort to, to, to mitigate the effects of the wound, we rather make things worse. And I, whenever I talk about this, I always remember the great man, Nehemiah, when he heard that the wounds were broken down. Even though he was living a very comfortable life, the Bible said that he went. In fact, you know the interesting thing about Nehemiah? He could have rather told the king that, King, it's my people, their walls are broken down. Let us rather go and destroy everything else before somebody arises from them and try to rebuild their walls and make them a stronger nation. And he could have been noticed as a royal person to the king. So instead of opening up the walls, Nehemiah rather bandaged the walls. So even though we rebelled against God, Jesus would have told God that I mean, my father, let us clear these people. But he rather told father, I am willing to die for these people. He went to him and he bandaged the wounds. May this be your mission even in this week. May you look for opportunities in today and this week and the rest of the year where you can go to people and bandage their wounds. We want to spend some time in prayer. We want to pray to God that He should give us a heart where we are sensitive to people. We want to be conscious about the situation people are going through. We don't want to be like the high priest. We don't want to be like the Levites, but we want the heart of a good Samaritan. We will be concerned about people. We will be kind to people. We will make the effort to go to people. But the Bible said that the Samaritan went to see the man that was there. Walking in the life of God takes an effort from us. It's an active process. Father, we pray for grace that we will go where you have sent us to go. We pray for grace that we will go to people who are in need. We pray for grace that we will go to people who are half dead, who are left half dead. We pray that we will be conscious about the needs of people. We pray that we will be sensitive to the situations of people. We pray that we will not just look to ourselves, but we also look to people in the name of our Lord Jesus. We thank you for loving us. Therefore, we also have the energy to love other people. Hereby, we perceive your love. That you came to us, we would also go to people. We pray for grace. We pray that we will never lose heart. We pray that we will never grow weary in living this life. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. We thank God for this time spent in his word. And we pray that we will be the doers of his word. We will be sensitive to people. We will not be irrational. Remember to give God your best and to make sure that the only thing you owe any man in the year 2021 and beyond is love. Bye-bye and see you next week.